OT Uncorked. I'm your host, Miranda Rennie. On OT Uncorked, we uncork hot topics in occupational therapy and a bottle of wine. If you've been following along with OT Uncorked, I typically follow the format of interviewing a guest, someone from the field of occupational therapy, who is doing something ordinary or extraordinary that I think is worth sharing. But today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Today is going to be my first monologue, or as some of you might call it, drinking alone. So today there's just a topic I really wanted to share. I thought it was something that might be of value to occupational therapy practitioners. So it's just me today. So it's 2020, which not only marks the start of a new year, but also the start of a new decade. This is a time especially when people are setting new goals, they're setting resolutions, they are determined to make this decade and this year different than the last decade and the last year. So I thought this was perfect timing to bring up something that I have been practicing in my own life for about four years now. It's the way that I really prepare myself for a new year and identify opportunities in my life for growth. I'm really excited to share this process with you because it has been important in my life and also get the chance to really tell you a little bit more about myself and what's meaningful for me. A lot of times on the podcast, I really do make it about the guest, but I know that sometimes it's helpful to hear more about the person behind the podcast. So before we get into it, I want to let you know what I'm drinking today. I am drinking a 2018 Garnacha, which is a Spanish red wine. And it's called La Sonriente. And I'm going to be drinking it throughout this episode. And at the end, I'll let you know what I think. For me, this process has been really reflective and dynamic. And it really challenges me every year that I have done it. So I really wanted to share it with you today. It started because I noticed there were things in my life that I wanted to change or Areas I knew I could grow in, but then year in and year out, I was seeing very little progress in some of those areas. I was prioritizing other things, which is totally fine, but I wanted to see what it would be like to really prioritize some of these even kind of small habit changes and see how that would impact other areas of my life. I want to share this with you today on this episode for a few reasons. One, because I know that I'm not the only one who has this feeling that they want to make forward progress in certain areas of their life and they're just not experiencing that. So I wanted to share this practice that has been helpful for me. But also this past year in 2019, I was with a group of friends, I think it was back in June. And to sort of prove a point, somebody brought up New Year's resolutions and said, Who here has actually kept their New Year's resolutions? And everyone, you know, sort of a little bit ashamed, a little bit embarrassed, acknowledged that they, you know, had broken theirs by February for most of them. Some of them had lasted through March. And I raised my hand. And I'll be honest, as you'll hear in this episode, I don't set New Year's resolutions. So I kind of cheated a little bit with that answer. But it's true that the goals I set for myself at the beginning of the year were still holding strong. And I'll kind of walk you through that process and let you know why they were holding strong. 
So let's kind of break this down. I tend to call it February goals, not a very creative name. If there's something that's a little more inspiring for you, I encourage you to change it and get back to me. I'm still working on what I call it even four years later. But I want to break it down a little bit. So why February, right? We were just talking about how it's a new year. Typically, people call them New Year's resolutions, but I'm calling them February goals. The start of the new year in January is exciting. There's this, it, there's a sparkle. There's this ambition. It's a fresh start. The calendar changes. A new year is here. It's really high pressure, if you ask me. And sometimes that excitement and those really good intentions can actually blind us to what we really need in our own lives, what we really want, and honestly, what's possible. So what I do now is I take January as a time of reflection. The month of January, I don't specifically track any goals. I just reflect. We'll get into that more later and kind of how I guide that reflection. That way, when come February 1st, which is today, I am ready to set some really good goals and hit the ground running in ways that are really meaningful for me. So you might be asking, why not just do that in December and then set your New Year's resolutions like everybody else? And at least when I look at my own December schedule, I don't see a lot of opportunity for reflection. When we talk about real habit change, real growth, Choosing a time in which your habits can sometimes kind of go out the window, like in December, is not the best time, in my opinion, for really deep reflection. When I think about what my December typically looks like, it has a lot of travel, a lot of awesome time with family, celebrating the holidays. I celebrate Advent and Christmas, and now that my niece is old enough to really start participating in some of the traditions, we've also included our Hanukkah celebration as well because she comes from a family that celebrates multiple holidays, so we're really enjoying that. What all of this means, though, at least in my life, is that my habits tend to change a lot. My daily routine day-to-day is quite different. In fact, there really is no routine in the month of December. So I have found that to prepare for a new year goal setting agenda for January just isn't possible in my life. And that's what first motivated me to take January to just reflect, to breathe in this really exciting fresh start and take away the pressure. So that way, starting in February, I can really start moving forward and making progress. So why goals? Why not resolutions? Well, I think most of us can agree that resolutions don't typically work. If you have kept a resolution in the past, power to you. Keep up the good work. In my life, that's not what that has looked like. In my world, and I think in in the case of a lot of people I've talked to, being resolute to do something often means they're also being absolute, which in my view is not sustainable. What I mean by that is when we make a resolution to change something, we mean that we're going cold turkey on it. For example, common ones are, I'm not going to eat any sugar, or I'm going to work out every day. But what happens when you eat a cookie on January 5th? All of a sudden, we start to tell ourselves that we've already failed, and that sense of failure is really unmotivating to keep moving forward. So I don't like resolutions because they tend to also be very absolute. Why did I choose goals? 
Well, because we're occupational therapy practitioners, we love goals, right? We set them for our patients all the time or we work towards those goals with our patients. We love goals. We even set goals for our work performance. Frequently, our supervisors will have us set goals at some point during the year for our work performance. But I think we set goals so much with other people and for other people that we often don't take the time or the energy to really dedicate on that reflection and goal setting for ourselves. So you might be asking, why would I be talking to OT practitioners about goal setting? You all are probably so much better at goal setting for your patients than I have ever been. And many of you have so much more experience than me in this area. So I want to start out by saying, I'm not trying to teach you how to goal set. I know you know this. But sometimes taking a new perspective in our own life about how to set goals can be so refreshing when that is part of our work life. I think we have a hard time stepping back, and so that's what I'm really hoping you get out of today's episode are some tools and some ideas, some inspiration to just step back and look at your own life and consider how you can set goals for growth. One thing I think that we miss, and as OTs and OTAs, we should really be embracing is the meaning behind goals. We hope that we're setting goals for our patients that have meaning for them. But as we go through this process, I want meaning to really be at the center of it. When we talk about goal setting, what comes to mind for a lot of people are SMART goals, right? It's what we learn in school typically. It's what we often practice. It's easy to remember. It makes a lot of sense. It's very formulaic. In some settings, it works. But if you want more on that, you should listen to another OT podcast called Occupied. My friend Brock hosts that show and he has a really great episode that he posted recently about SMART goals and he also talks about dumb goals. So if that entices you, it's a great episode. Go check that out. One major takeaway from that episode that I fully agree with was SMART goals are not the only way to set goals and in fact, it's a flawed process. It's not going to fit every situation, and I really don't believe that SMART goals are how we should set goals for ourselves, but we'll get more to that later. So here's what my February goals tradition is all about, so you can decide if this is something that you also want to try. February goals for me is all about using goals to prompt growth and reflection as part of an iterative process. Reflection does not just happen in January, but it's something I'm doing throughout the year. It's also about really identifying for me what brings me meaning and what motivates me. And at the end of the day, what I'm looking forward to with this process is growth. And it helps me really prioritize what's important to me and what really aligns with my values. So if that sounds something that you might be interested in doing, keep listening. I'm going to tell you what it's not about, though, just so we can set some boundaries to get started. February goals is not about goal achievement, okay? I'm going to say that again. This goal-setting process is not about goal achievement. As I've said, it's all about growth and reflection. So keep that in mind. This process is not about achievement. I feel like I need to keep saying it because we are so not used to hearing goals and achievement being detached from one another. February goals is also not all or nothing, nothing thinking. We never want that approach. That goes back to those resolutions that become absolute, right? Resolute is absolute and we don't want that here. We want 
nuanced, complex thinking because we are nuanced and complex people. February goals are also not about wishful thinking. I want this process for you to be meaningful and I want you to start seeing growth in your life. So wishful thinking isn't the way to do that either. What I'd like to do in this episode is really just walk you through the process that I take when I'm preparing for my February goals and also give you a few inspiration points to really make this process your own and help you make these changes in your own life if you're so inclined. So as I've said, I tend to do my reflecting in January so that when February 1st rolls around, I can really start leaning into these goals confidently that these are going to reflect my values and start living them out. But if this is something you're interested in doing as well, make it your own. You can do your reflection in February and then start carrying out your goals in March. It's super flexible and I encourage you to do what's going to work best for you if you're interested in kind of going through a similar process. So then the next step I take in that reflective process is to ask myself some questions. I try to notice, I try to observe, and I ask myself some questions to really guide that. So one question I use is I ask, who am I? Which sounds so philosophical and introspective. But when I answer that question, I do try to make fairly concrete statements. And I like when they start with I again in the present tense. So for example, related to work, I might say, I am challenged daily by the work I do. Because for me, challenge is really important. Uh, When I get bored, it's usually not when I feel my best. So I want to be challenged. Another example might be something like, I surround myself with people who encourage me and fuel my passions. So The I statements can take on a wide range of forms, but I encourage you to mess around with that. See what that looks like in your life and what are some I statements that feel very authentic for you. Another question that along those lines I tend to ask myself is what fuels me? When I'm taking that month to reflect, I notice what's giving me energy and what's draining me and just take note of those things. Similarly, when do I feel the most like myself, right? When are those moments where I just feel like I am my best self or when I feel just the most authentically me? What brings me joy? I ask what's wearing me down, similar to the what fuels me question. And then I also try to notice this. When does my brain shift to language that sounds like if only or one day thinking where I'm really writing off something that seems important to me as a future thing that just can't happen now. So I take note of those. That's my first step. It's just observing. Okay. It's just reflecting. And then while I'm still in that month of reflection, I also put a pen on paper. And that's so important because I think we can all, to some extent, envision what we want. We can think about what would be ideal, but that kind of falls into that wishful thinking category in my view. So get a pen on paper, explore those ideas, reflect. For me, putting away my phone really helps me reflect but for some of you maybe your phone or looking back at pictures or looking at apps that you use to track your time might be helpful in this. I again try to write present tense statements instead of those future statements because I don't want to fall into wishful thinking. Another thing I write down are my values. What are things that are really important to me and why are they important to me? Where is that value coming from? Right? And then I think a little bit more about how do these statements make me feel and how do these statements really relate to areas in my life that 
might be opportunities for growth. So this step is really just all about taking time for you. In my experience, February goals just don't really work for me when I rush into the goal writing part. This reflection part is a discipline that I'm still trying to learn and grow in, but it's something that's really made a difference in how I approach my goals. So my next step, I really look back at this reflection and I say, how do these ideas and opportunities for growth connect with what I value, right? So we've reflected on values. We've reflected on what we've noticed in our life for that month of reflection. And this is the stage where I really try to connect those thoughts together. Another big piece at this stage for me is identifying where I seek inspiration from. So in other words, what makes these goals these areas of growth really worth pursuing for me. So for example, it can be really easy to talk with your friends or go on social media, see what they are trying to set as a New Year's resolution or as a goal. But really, it's important that you find this to be inspirational for you, that you feel there's value in it, or else you might not experience the amount of growth that you're really hoping to get out of this process. And this idea is not new to OT practitioners, right? Because we're already setting goals with our patients that are hopefully meaningful for them because we know that if we're setting goals purely based on objective measures that we are imposing on them, they are probably not going to be as engaged in the process. So we really want to find those goals that inspire them and motivate them. So I want you to start thinking about where do you seek inspiration from. I'll give you a few examples to get you started, but this list is certainly not meant to be exhaustive. One source that I know comes up a lot for me is sacred scripture. So if there's some piece of scripture that's important to you, that might be an area to start seeking inspiration for some of these habit changes. Another one is quotes by a favorite author, a favorite athlete, uh, maybe a politician you admire, a book character. Some quote that whenever you hear it just really inspires you. Similarly, it could be lyrics to a song. It could be part of a poem. It could be an old adage. It could even just be someone in your life that you think is pretty wise. Maybe it's something one of your grandparents always said that you've just always really treasured and taken to heart. It doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's something that will motivate you and will inspire you. So now that we've taken this opportunity to really connect our observations in our reflective month with our values and then we've really supported them with sources of inspiration in our life. So at this point in my process I look for themes and this is a major research nerd alert moment because what I really do is I try to immerse myself in the data and I see if any categories emerge. I split up my goals into categories because I start to notice trends that year to year, there's different areas of my life that I'm really hoping to grow in more than others. And also when I start to categorize, I notice if there's areas of my life in which I have no growth goals for. And then I can decide if those are areas that I'm pretty content with right now, or if I'm actually just not aware of something. And that can bring me back through that iterative process to reflect again and see if there's something I'm missing. If you're trying to think of categories and you feel like you're coming up short, one place to start would be the wellness wheel, which you may be familiar with from occupational therapy school. If I'm being totally honest, I actually don't really like the wellness wheel for some of the purposes it's used for. It's kind of can be a flawed system, especially if it's used with the goal of balancing every area of your life, which I just don't think is possible. 
so I don't really recommend it for that. However, for this purpose, it at least has categories that can get you started. If you don't want to know what it is, don't take your time to look it up. I'll just list a few categories and I'll supplement the list with a few things that I have used in the past. So for example, a few categories might be relational, financial, professional, spiritual, emotional, educational, mental, or leisure. And I know I ruined the list with leisure because it doesn't end in AL. And those are just a a short list of possible categories. I encourage you to come up with other ones that you think are relevant to the data you produced for yourself. So I don't tend to choose self-care, health, or lifestyle as areas or as possible categories. So if you notice those missing from the list, that was actually intentional. I believe that any choice I'm making in my life for growth will automatically be contributing to my health. They will be making my lifestyle more reflective of my values. And hopefully they involve taking care of myself. And I think this whole process of reflection is really promoting self-care and self-reflection. So I don't choose those to be categories because I think those should really be qualities of all of my goals. Just another side note, I don't typically do the professional category. I think that in my workplaces, they have had really good structures for that. So at least for my direct job-related goals, I don't tend to write those out in my February goals process, although I sometimes will choose other professional goals that maybe lie outside of the sphere of my job description. So that's just a thought, especially if thinking about work in your free time is draining for you. Let's make this an experience that is really for you and is very healthy and let's leave that at the door. But again, that's really just a personal preference. Okay, so we are over 20 minutes into the episode and we are finally getting to the stage where I write my goals. So just a really quick recap, at this point I have reflected extensively, I have identified my values, and I've even identified categories and inspiration. Sometimes I choose an inspirational quote or a verse or something for an entire category, and other times each goal has their own. It just really depends on what's inspiring for me and how I feel that it all connects together. So at this point I tend to write out my goals a little bit more traditionally in that they really read as goals, but occasionally I will actually just keep those I statements instead of writing out a goal because sometimes those are really more empowering to read a statement as a truth in my life even before it's really fulfilled. If you are going to stick to a more traditional goal writing method, which I also frequently do, we're going to have to circle back to these SMART goals because I think that's what we're all really used to with goal writing. And so I want to touch on that. As I mentioned before, I don't think SMART goals are the best way to write goals in general, but especially not for ourselves. They really lack that meaningful component that is going to keep us moving towards our goals. But again, more on that in Brock's episode of Occupied where he talks about SMART goals. I will right now, though, just go through briefly the SMART acronym to talk about some aspects of that framework that can actually be helpful and then which parts of that framework I like to just leave at the door. So the specific part, the S, right? You do want to be specific enough with some of your goals, right? So in from my own experience, when I'm setting a financial goal that's maybe a savings goal, I'm going to use either a percentage of my income or a dollar amount because for me, that's what a savings goal looks like. 
I also like to set a goal for the number of books that I read. But here's where this can all turn sort of to the negative side where I think it's not as healthy. When the numbers become a point of fixation, when the numbers become a point of disappointment actually for yourself, when you're not reaching the milestones that you are really hoping to reach. So if that's not going to produce a healthy habit change for you, I encourage you to leave the numbers aside. If you have sort of maybe what you might categorize as an addictive personality, maybe the numbers are not going to be super healthy for you. And that's okay. What can be good about numbers is this idea of kind of gamifying your goals. I love gamification. I'm so motivated by it. So for me, having these numbers is really fun. And that's why I include them in my goals, not because I'm trying to be specific. The next part of SMART goals is attainable and achievable. But as I said before, we're not actually aiming for achievement. We are aiming for growth. So of course, you're not going to set a goal that's totally out of left field and has nothing to do with your values, right? So those unattainable goals aren't even going to make it through the filter of what's meaningful to you. So by this stage of goal writing, we're not worried about attainable and we're definitely not worried about achievement. That brings us to R, which is either relevant or realistic, depending on who you ask. But my question is, relevant to what? I mean, who cares if it's relevant? My guess is that if you've made it this far, it's something that's meaningful to you, and that's what I care about. I don't necessarily care about the relevance or how realistic it is. Let's care about meaning. That's what we do best anyway, right? We care about meaning. So let's focus on that. And the last part is that time-bound piece. And time is definitely good, but with a growth mindset, I would say let's just aim for forward progress. There is definitely a time element to the process that I take, but hold tight because we're going to get there soon. I would just release this idea that we need to achieve, first of all, second of all, that we need to do so in a time-bound manner. Let's talk about forward progress as that happens in our lives. So I want to just go into some examples of what this might look like. These are not perfect gold standard goals. These are genuinely just out of my notebook that I track my goals in. So I'm reading them straight out of my notebook. And these are just things from the past that I have written. So one that I started in 2017 was plan and stick to a morning routine for one month. There is a bit of measurability in this because I wanted to start the consistency in my life. So the measurability was less for me to see if I met my goal, but it was more so about me really valuing consistency and not seeing it in my life as it was. So I was really noticing that every morning was different. I was expending a lot of unnecessary energy on my morning routine. I would wake up and very groggy decide what I was going to do that morning. And that just doesn't work for me. So this is a goal I started setting in 2017. And it has remained a goal since then. I never have been able to stick to one morning routine for a whole month. So that's a goal that you're going to see reflected repeatedly in my notebook. Okay. That doesn't mean I failed at it. And we'll get to that later too. Another one that I wrote was that I would dedicate 10 minutes before bed to non-screen time. At the time that I wrote this goal, I was noticing that I was spending a lot of time before bed looking at my phone, mindlessly scrolling on social media, and just doing things I knew were not good for my overall sleep hygiene, but also just weren't fulfilling. That time was not 
preparing me for my next day, right? It was just kind of draining me more. So that's why I decided if I chose an amount of time, roughly 10 minutes, that would be great. And what's awesome is that I didn't hold myself so strictly to the 10 minutes. It was more so the the intention. And what's great is that I started that goal four years ago, but that goal you're not going to see in my 2020 goals because I have actually implemented that change in my life. I've been able to grow in that. I'm spending less time on social media mindlessly scrolling and I'm spending more time doing something meaningful to me before I go to sleep, like reading. Another fun goal that I set was visiting one new place per month. And I kept that one really open because I wanted that to mean anything any new place. It could be a restaurant that's down the street from me that I just have never gone to. It could be a whole new city, a whole new state. Um, It could be going to a new park or going on a hike that I've never been on before. I leave that one really open-ended because I think the whole intention behind it for me has always been go out and explore and experience and enjoy. And so I didn't want that one to be super specific or measurable. I wanted that element of exploration. That one you'll also see every single year in my notebook. And it's not because I haven't been able to go somewhere new every month. It's because I think that goal is so fun. I get to look back and see every month somewhere new I went in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Now into 2020, I'm going to be doing the same thing. It is just such a fun way to look back and see all that you've done and who you did it with. So that one will probably always be in my February goals. Then, of course, sometimes there's a more practical one. Um, I was noticing a few years ago that I was forgetting my reusable tote bags when I go to the grocery store, right? So we just went from like fun, leisure, enjoyment down to this really nitty gritty of just remembering reusable tote bags. So I had that set as a goal and I haven't needed to do that in the past few years because I really have seen growth in that area. Uh, It's been a habit I've been able to implement. And so that's not something you're going to see in my goal journal, but it's certainly an area that I'm trying to continue to grow in. But it's exciting to look back and see that this was something I really had a hard time remembering to do. And now it's just part of my life. So it's a point of pride to be able to look back and just really see and feel empowered about the changes I've been able to make. There's plenty more and we can talk more about them later, but I wanted to give you just a kind of a sampling of what some of these goals look like for me. So this is where the time part comes into my process. It's not the amount of time in which I think I'm going to achieve or complete a goal, but it's the time interval at which I want to check in with myself and hold myself accountable for my goals and just reflect on what kind of progress I've made. So after each goal that I write, I put in time check-ins. So if it's a goal that I think I want to check in with myself monthly, I'll actually write out February, March, April, etc. through December so that when I come back to reflect, I actually have a space waiting for me to write in. When I reflect, I don't just comment on whether I met the goal, made progress towards the goal, or made no progress. I actually write little notes to myself so that I can really reflect on what that progress or lack thereof looked like. So let's go back to that morning routine example because as I admitted, I have never been able to keep a consistent routine for an entire month. However, multiple years I've been able to keep a routine for a week or just a few days So of course I'm going to write that down to myself, write what I did during that routine time, maybe how long it lasted and why it was interrupted. And that right there is so much more helpful for me than just giving up on the goal. 
But this is where it comes in that I need to know myself. And if you're going to do this too, I would just encourage you to reflect about what's going to be reasonable for you. Know yourself, right? So for me, I know that monthly check-ins are the way to go. Anything less than that, like weekly, just isn't going to happen. I will forget or I will postpone it. But a month for me is a reasonable amount of time where I can check in and take a few minutes to really do some decent reflecting. I don't want to set myself up for failure with this. I want to be successful. And to me, success looks like checking in every month. For you, it might be different. Uh, Even for some of my goals, I check in quarterly because they're goals that I think are better checked in at, at wider intervals. Finally, this last major step of this February goal writing process before I get into some tips about how to really make this fun and customized to your life. The last step is to read through your goals. So when I read through my goals after all this really hard work, I ask myself, are you excited? And if I don't notice that my immediate response to this is motivation and inspiration and excitement, if I'm just not ready to hit the ground running, I really start to question if I've done this process well. If I've given myself the time to truly reflect, because at the end of the day, I want to be able to admire my hard work. I don't want to throw it in the fire, right? If I want to burn it, probably not a great sign. I should probably return to the reflection stage. And so if you look at this and you see possibility, that's really motivating. That's exciting. I think that's what this is all about, at least in my own life. But if you see burden, Again, return to that reflection stage. You haven't done it wrong. Maybe there's just more to explore. Okay, so that's kind of the general process that I go through to set my February goals that I wanted to share with you. But I also have some other tips that have really made this work for me and really fun for me. So my first tip is to actually write it on real paper, maybe in a nice journal that you have laying around. But for me, at least, writing it on real paper has been valuable versus typing it up on a computer. For me, typing up goals on a computer reminds me too much of work, right? It feels more like a to-do list, whereas writing it on real paper in a journal for me makes this more of a creative process. I also can type a lot faster than I can handwrite, and that extra time handwriting really gives me more time to process the words that I'm putting down. It makes me feel a little bit more intentional about what I'm writing. If using the computer is the only way to go for you and you cannot imagine picking up a pen and paper, give it a try on a computer. It might be totally fine for you. Again, this is goes back to know thyself, right? Now, I like to make it pretty. So for me, wanting to come back and reflect is motivated by how beautiful my pages look. And I don't even have good handwriting if I'm totally honest, but the pages are beautiful. I use colorful pens. Um, my, the journal that I use sits out on my desk and it just is really visually appealing. And so for me, that makes me excited to read my goals again versus pulling up a Word document on my computer doesn't give me that same effect. And I actually do this for other documents in my life. So even things that are on the computer, like my financial spreadsheets, are in a really nice font. They are actually very color coordinated, different categories of different colors. It's really aesthetically pleasing. And the reason is I used to hate balancing my finances. I used to dread opening up those really boring Excel documents. So I made them fun. I made them beautiful. And now I look at my finances and I'm actually in this sort of like peaceful state because it just looks so beautiful. It sounds silly, but don't knock until you try it. It really works for me. 
The other tip I have is put it somewhere you're going to see it. Anytime I have put my journal out of sight, um, put it on a shelf that's stacked with other stuff, I don't tend to reflect that month or I, I forget to check in and then I have to backtrack and that's just not quite the experience that I really want for myself. So I have found it really helpful to have it out on my desk or um, visible on some shelf that isn't just loaded with junk. Um, somewhere that you can really see it because that out of sight, out of mind thing is so real. I will be honest with you, there have been multiple months where I have forgotten to reflect because it was out of sight and out of mind. I also recommend reading through it often. Again, those times when it's out in front of me, I'm more likely to open it and just read through my goals, remind myself of my inspiration on those days when I feel like I'm not succeeding and I start to get into an achievement mindset. I just read through my goals and I'm re-inspired to keep growing. So read it often, even between check-ins. You don't always have to reflect when you open it. Um, Just use that to really remind yourself why you're doing this. I also try to find someone to share my goals with. For me, it's my fiance. He also sets goals, so it's been really encouraging to share goals with each other, but it can be a friend, a parent, someone whose opinion you really value. The point of that is, one, when you're excited about something, you should want to share it, right? And they might be able to help you uh, stay accountable to your goals, or they might just be really supportive and check in with you in June and say, hey, I remember you telling me you were setting goals in February. How is that going for you? And those moments can be so huge as we all work together to just try and grow. Now, another tip, when you go back and you look at your goals and you're reflecting, you might come across a goal months after you've set it that you don't really like anymore. Um, It's possible that you also maybe haven't made any progress on a goal or two. And that's totally fine because that's really a great time for reflection to ask yourself, is this something I really value? uh, Or is this as meaningful to me as I originally thought? Maybe even does this still fit with my life? It's possible the goal you set was ambitious in the wrong direction for you. Um, Maybe you just want to scratch it and totally write a new goal or maybe you want to take that goal and really just reshape it or maybe make it into a next step for yourself instead of that broader goal. What I like about this is that it's really dynamic. There's no failure in changing a goal partway through. That's actually just life. So I find that this is very freeing and I don't feel like a failure when I have not made progress towards my goals. I just really question, should this have even been a goal to begin with or should this be a goal now? So I also just want to remind you, don't go all absolute on me, okay? I've done it before, and that's not why we're setting goals. We're not setting resolutions, right? So for example, I want to read more every year. Every year I'm trying to increase the number of books I'm reading. But sometimes in life, reading more books in a year just isn't possible. So for example, I'm currently reading a lot of journal articles in my life. As some of you may know, I'm going back for my PhD. So Lots of reading involved. So reading books for fun or books outside of my course program isn't always possible. So for this year, maybe I'll say 15 books. I'll try to read 15 books. Worst case scenario, I read more than that. And that's a pretty great worst case scenario if you ask me. I guess another worst case scenario would be reading less. And what I would write in my reflection is I did my class readings for every class and read additional journal articles relevant to my practice area. I am proud of myself for being an evidence-based therapist. It's okay that I didn't read 15 books. So you can see how being absolute isn't going to work for us and how this really growth and dynamic mindset is, is really helpful and I think pretty healthy. At the end of the day, there's no wrong way to do this, 
with resolutions, uh, there's this mindset of you break it, it's over, we're done, I failed. That's not the case with this. So there's times I've exceeded my own expectations with growth. There's times I've abandoned my goals altogether. There's one time that I set a goal to use a very specific app to track my savings because at the time it was really motivating for me. And by about May, it was not motivating for me and they were transitioning into a structure of pricing that was out of my budget. So I just scratched that goal and that's totally fine. There's some goals that I mentioned I continue to carry over four years later and I don't see any point of stopping. Um, Some of the goals I let go of because I was really proud of how far I'd come. And I just want to give you actually a few more examples of some of those fun goals because that's a great place to start with this. And for me, it's been a great way to continue. So a few other goals that I tend to keep year to year is some goal about reaching out to friends I, try, I tend to make it measurable. So maybe reaching out to a friend once per week for a really meaningful check-in with them. You know, whether it's a phone call um, or meeting them in person, just something where I am really caring for my friends. That's important to me. I really value my relationships and I feel that by doing this, I'm really nurturing those relationships. So I love doing that. I'm going to keep making that a goal. Another one is to plan and go on a weekend trip with friends. I set this one every year. I don't necessarily decide which friends it's going to be. I don't decide where I'm going to go. It's just something that really motivates me and reminds me to value the time I have with people I love. Another one for anyone in a relationship um, or even just in a friendship, I always have plan and go on a real intentional date night each month. I am not even married yet, but I'm getting married in July. Uh, We don't have any kids. And still, even a couple years ago, sometimes I would notice we'd get into this awesome comfortable routine of maybe getting together to cook dinner or to watch a movie or to go on a walk I mean things that are really good but I would notice that sometimes we'd go almost a whole month without actually going out and doing something new and exciting together or go on a date that took planning so that's a goal that we kind of set together and it's been so fun for us to look back and see all the really cool dates we've been on. So that's just a really healthy thing for my relationship and something I'd recommend really making time for those special experiences. Make that a goal. I'm hoping that you're seeing a variety of goals. Again, the style of goal writing that works for me may not be the style that works for you, but I want you to see that this can be fun and it can be freeing and it can really help promote growth. Because I know the same thing just doesn't work for everybody, I want to give you a few more ideas of how you can customize this process. One idea to really focus on the values piece of this, you know, what do I really value and homing in on that, would be to go online and do a a values inventory. I think Brene Brown has some, but there's lots online if you just Google values inventory. It can even just give you a list, even if you're not going to take a quiz or an inventory. Look at a list and see what strikes you and choose your top two, three, or four values. One way to form your goals then would be to choose one growth goal that will motivate you to better live out each of those values. So you might just have three goals and that's great. If it's helping you live out your values, I love it. That's exactly what this is all about. Another option would be to choose your inspiration for the goal first instead of writing a goal and then finding something that's inspiring for you to back it up. So an example would be to really think about things that 
whenever you hear, you just feel really motivated, inspired by. Again, if that's a quote, a song lyric, a poem, scripture, whatever it is for you, think about that first and then say, why does this inspire me? And is there a chance for me to grow uh, to better fit with this quote or this lyric that I find really meaningful? Another option, if you're so tired of goal writing and you say, you know, I do this all day with other people and for other people, I don't want to write any more goals in my life than I have to, um, go back to those I statements. Instead of setting goals, just write statements that you want to be true of your life, but write them in the present tense. And then check in with yourself, you know, choose a time interval that works for you and see if those statements are becoming any more true in your life. So in this episode, I've described a process that I use for promoting growth in my own life. I've also given some suggestions for ways to really make this your own if some part of my process really just does not resonate with you or fit with your life. But at the end of the day, whether you move forward setting a goal using my process or a process similar to mine or not at all, what I really want us all to hear, and me included, is that we work really hard. We work hard in our jobs. We work hard for our families. We work hard for our friends. And we deserve to grow. And we deserve to challenge ourselves. And I think we need that time of reflection. So no matter how you find or create time to reflect, no matter how you promote growth in your life, I just encourage you to keep doing that. I think it's healthy for all of us. And throughout our day as therapists, therapy assistants, students, we give so much of ourselves. So I encourage you and I encourage myself to take a moment and really give back to ourselves. Let's start by challenging and empowering ourselves to grow so that when we go out into our jobs and into our friend groups and into our families, we can help others do the same, which I think is something that we do really well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope something about this resonated with you. I know it's been fun to just share this process that I've been going through for the past four years with you all just to see if this is something that might also bring you opportunities for growth in your life. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm drinking La Sonriente. It's a 2018 Garnacha from Calatayud, Spain. And it is a red wine. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about what I thought of this wine. So initially when I poured the glass, I felt like the nose on it just reminded me of other really cheap red wines that I've gotten in the past. So I was a little bit uh, disappointed from the start. However, it improved. I felt like this actually had a more complex flavor profile than I expected for a bottle of wine that cost me seven dollars um so there was definitely a solid a cherry flavor it was fairly tart um as well as some other fruits some cinnamon and a really peppery taste so the aftertaste was really strong and peppery and throughout there were a different tastes of spices so I did really appreciate the complexity of this wine and again kind of a great value I got this one at Trader Joe's and I believe it's available elsewhere Um, again it's called La Sonriente so I did end up enjoying this one quite a bit I chose it because in Spanish La Sonriente means the smiling and 
whenever I set these February goals every year, I feel really excited and empowered and I am just all smiles, to be honest. It's just this time of reflection and refreshing and sort of just reframing my approach to what I'm doing in my life. And so that just has me very happy and joyful and excited and smiling. So that was my inspiration for this episode. Uh, Let me know if you try this wine and what you think of it. On OT Uncorked, we recently started asking guests what book recommendations they have for listeners, whether related to the content of the episode or just something they're really excited about in general. So today I'd like to share with you some of my own recommendations. So going with the theme of promoting growth in our lives, I have really appreciated the work of Laura Vanderkam. She is an author and speaker who really focuses on ways that we can leverage time to make the most of our lives. She wrote a book called What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and she also has a podcast called Before Breakfast that I listen to almost daily, and she offers really great tips about not just productivity, but about truly making the most of our time, and I have found that her insights and advice are really tangible and easy to implement my life, or if not easy, I can see their value, and those are part of my growth goals, actually. So that's one recommendation I have for you. She has written so many books, so really, you can't go wrong with anything she's written. Another recommendation I have for you is called The Chaos Imperative, How Chance and Disruption Increase Innovation, Effectiveness, and Success by Ori Brofman and Judah Pollack. So I read this one actually a few years ago now. I really enjoyed it. It's kind of funny because we're talking about goal setting and structure, and this book is all about how chaos can really, like the title implies, really sort of disrupt the way we do things and create space for innovation and growth. However, it is controlled chaos, so it's not totally off topic from our content today. I found this book really helpful in seeing how we can, you know, disrupt some of the systems that at this point maybe we're not even questioning and really start to take that time to reflect on what we're doing and create space for change, which I really do think goes along with setting goals in our own life and what that looks like to step back, reflect, and allow opportunity for that change to happen. So those are just two book recommendations I have for you today. If you've read these or if you do end up reading these, please give me your feedback. I'm really interested to see if these books have been of of interest to you as well. Now, I am currently adding these to a bookshelf on Goodreads. It's a free app. And if you find me, Miranda Rennie, on Goodreads, you can go to my OT Uncorked Book Club shelf. That's where we're housing it for now. We'll give you any updates when we end up moving that. You can also just check out Instagram or our Facebook page. We'll be posting the books that are recommended in every episode so that you have easy access to that information. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of OT Uncorked. Please reach out to me through email, Miranda at otuncork.com, or you can contact me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter at otuncorked. And of course, if you haven't left a review, we would so appreciate that. Cheers. <laughs>